Welcome to the Craft of Writing podcast with me, your host, Sam Hall. Hello and welcome back to the Craft of Writing podcast. Today we have a really special guest. We've got Tasha Taylor-Johnson. I first saw Tasha's work in the flesh at Leicester Curve only a few weeks ago with a musical Cake, uh, which was uh, this incredibly vibrant show about Mary Antoinette uh, and how you sort of spark a revolution. And it features this incredible electro-pop kind of score um, and this really like lovely contemporary dance as well with by Drew McConey so uh, I knew when I started this show I really wanted to talk to Tasha um, and she's with me now yay hi <laughs> now don't you be weak weak means you're losing who'd want to lose someone must find you I break bones to heal So, uh, Tasha, can you tell me a little bit about your journey up to now? Um, yes. So my journey up to now, I guess, to become a writer um, was a very windy one. Um, I actually trained as a dancer um, and that's how I consequently know Drew McConey because we went to dance college together. Um, and I think I always had like a, a draw to Right. I used to spend all my spare time sitting at piano, like between like skip ballet to do jazz piano lessons and stuff, which was quite naughty, but I quite enjoyed that. Um, and I think I did a couple of shows after I left college at 18, like dance shows. And I was just like, this is not it. Um, I am not feeling the way the rest of the people are feeling about this. And I was still sort of spending my times in, in, in little bars playing piano at night and stuff like that. So I sort of made the decision, I think I was like 24, when I sort of made myself begin to sit down and write music, even though, and as I'm sure you might know that, um, even though that is like the hardest thing to do is to sort of admit to yourself that you are a writer. Um, But I did sort of start flexing that muscle then. And um, two years later, again, like down a long and windy road, I sort of on tour with Mon Mir at the time as well. And I sort of became friends with the band members and then we sort of wrote an EP. And then from then on, after releasing that EP, I was 26. And I just knew then that writing was what I definitely wanted to do. So I ditched the dance, ditched the shows. I'd sort of crossed off West End. I'd done a show in the West End as a, as like a, a, a cast member. And I thought, right, I'm done. I'm gonna write. And, um, and then started the long slog to sort of doing that and learning all that I needed to, because I was a pretty late starter. So yeah. And then that was, um, that, that was 10 years ago and now, and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then uh, the other thing that happened, I think that was a, was a level up from that was when I got the resident composer position at Curve, um, that really changed everything and, and felt like, okay, this is it now. I'm sort of I am a I am a writer so that was like yeah another moment for me where it sort of was happening so yes it's been complex and um windy but also really fun and wouldn't change it for the world awesome when you started writing was it for theatre focus or was it more for yourself as a singer-songwriter or pop artist or 
Um, it was definitely um, for myself as a pop star because, of course, that's how I saw myself. Um, <laughs> of uh, my my sixteen year old self, like it took me a long time to beat that out of myself. I think um, so. Yeah, it started as like singer songwriter stuff, and um, like quite melancholy shit. Basically, um, <laughs> it was like Joni crap, Joni Mitchell. You know, like really. Right. It, I, I mean, that's even giving it too much credit. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then I sort of transitioned when I realised that there's no room really for comedy and pop music. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm. for me, I think that's one of my sort of signature things is I do like to do things that are quite funny or whatever. I think they're funny. I'm not sure that they are. Um, But (laughs) so that was when I sort of figured out that really my zone was theatre and that I could sort of have a little niche, which is a bit like pop comedy theatre in a way, yeah, I sort of had to ditch the pop, my pop dreams, as it were, um, and yeah, and stick really to the theatre. Yeah, that's so interesting. Just to to be a bit self indulgent for a, a minute, I used to be in an, I used to write for an indie band, and uh, it was like my project, and I all the songs were like very kind of outwardly self-loathing but slightly comedic, and I kind of wondered why it was never really taking off because I think it was probably too sort of just silly and literal. And I wasn't kind of like I I don't know if obviously both of us probably have theatre brains as our in our core, so we kind of want to tell those kind of stories in slightly amusing ways, and it just doesn't quite work in that pop world. That's so interesting to hear someone else say that, which is yeah, nice. it's so true, and it's it's such an, an odd thing because I feel like what's that? You know, Jack Black. What's his band that do the really funny song? Oh, Tenacious D. Tenacious D. I'm like, yeah. it's weird because it's actually they're great pop songs, but. Mm you know, it's still like a weird cult thing. Or like Tim Minchin. I mean, nowadays yeah. he's like super theatre. But there was a time when he was writing songs which were like on the cusp. And I think mm. that, yeah, there just isn't, like the pop world is really snooty, I think, about things like like that perhaps. Um, especially literal things and anything with kind of a narrative element is like yeah. no-go. So, yeah. Theatre is your home. Yes, definitely. So we just heard a little snippet of uh, a song from musical Cake called Let Them Eat Cake. Um, I'd love to chat about the harmony use in this song because uh, I remember watching it and there was that sort of bridge section that just really like really sexy jazzy chords going on. Um, Is that kind of like is that your sort of default language or is that yes. sort of specific? Is it? Ah. It's lovely that you picked up on that. Yeah, because that is actually a bit of me, all the jazz um you know, close closeness is, mm. is, I just, I can't get rid of it no matter what I do with that. No, it's still in my head. Or when I do the harmonies, I just like, is, we're talking about the harm, the vocal harmonies, right? Vocal harmony and also like harmony of the you know chords and, and everything really. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's just in, somewhere in, in me. I think it's, I just listened to jazz a lot when I was a kid. Like that was what I was really into. So I think it just never leaves, even though now it sort of really makes me cringe. Like I'm, I'm not really into jazz anymore, but yeah, it's definitely just in my language. 
Um, I think Jack, who I co-write the songs with, he's super pop. So like he is like, here's a seventh and well, not seventh necessarily, but like 13th and stuff. And he's like, "Mm, I'm not sure. (laughs) So I sort of like get them in, you know, and then he's like, okay, I'll take it. Um, But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I just can't escape that, that kind of um, ear world for me. Mm. I love all that stuff because I, I've not really heard that in a lot of new writing before um, I heard your music and it's what really sort of struck me and because I'm just obsessed with harmony in general and my biggest kind of turn off is when harmony is a bit like boring so like because I don't know there's just more to life (laughs) than sort of four chord sequences and oh 100% like yeah I totally agree with you there like um no uh, I, I just that I mean we're going to do a later question on it, but yes, harmony for me is the place where you can get in all the the middle the middle ground and 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 I like the colours. You know, I've always loved the chord chord progressions that work with my um my small hands basically. So I was always <laughs> playing like this, which means like all the cluster chords are just I do not know what they are, but you know they sound good to me. They sound satisfying rather than just boring old. CGD or whatever I don't know like yeah I like to get in the colors you said you had um jazz piano lessons when you were younger was that kind of like improvising or is that just like music kind of jazz or now full disclosure my jazz piano lessons basically consisted of me sitting there listening to my teacher who used to play Oscar Peterson and <laughs> and I just used to be like yeah play another one and he would you know it was very little time of me actually playing um but I suppose we we just had a lot of fun in those lessons, like discussing it a lot. Um, mm. my, my honestly, my technique was not good enough to to learn to do that. And actually, the improvisation, I only really started doing that in the last few years to help with my writing because I to- I have a little theory about improvisation. I think it's totally based on confidence. Like, you know, people who can sit there and and um kind of trust their ear and trust their fingers I, I I have a lot of time and respect for that um I think sitting alone on my on my own for hours I've now learned to only basically like do improvised bass lines and stuff um but I'm scared of myself you know I get scared when I sit down to do it um so yeah no we didn't do we didn't I didn't do a lot of improv because I was very afraid but he did loads of improv and I thought it was I I, it just blew my mind watching him play just blew my mind his name is Bill Reddy he's exceptional awesome in terms of how you start a song do you do you start always on piano do you work kind of into a a software on computer or how do you sort of start a song um always different and Mm. uh, for instance with these cake tracks um that I've again co-written with the amazing Jack McManus um generally I would say it starts with a a production idea from Jack and then um we will discuss the narrative um yeah and then it just kind of goes from there on my own these days it's always music first never lyrics always an idea yeah always music and then lyrics is um um i like write diagrams and stuff with with little um ideas for lyrics little um tiny weeny idea hooks that i can sort of cling on to and then i explore that but yeah the first the first things first is the bones like the musical bones really like the bass particularly or a bit of rhythm going um yeah 
it's never the same though is it I feel like <laughs> no it's it, yeah it's always a little different which is good it keeps it fresh mm. well for it's it's interesting because I think a lot of new writers seem to vary up their process but I, I used to work for Andrew Weber and he would always start with music first and he would get his lyricists to always write their lyrics to his melody that he would prescribe. And it was Ooh. like very like, this is how it is and that's Ooh, yeah. that's what it needs to be and like, it's got to be perfect scansion, which is just such, it was a really interesting way of seeing it done, but not something that I really connect with. Yeah, agreed. Lots of lovely control for him there, I suppose. And, mm. you know, when you've got massive ideas about melody and you don't want them you want that protected I think that's and also it allows the lyricist I think really to dig into that but mm. I think the, the way that writers work now maybe is quite reflective of this new world that we live in where everything is in flux all the time you mm. know like I think you write a song and then six months like I mean this has personally been the the the, the torture is like you you write a song six months later you're sort of still working on that song and then in in when you go into production you're like ooh ooh that i'm going to add a new middle eight or i'm going to you know so it's and then when you're collaborating with uh, with someone like for instance again with jack it's like he will bring a new idea to the table we'll work on it again and so you sort of chisel it like chisel and chisel and chisel until it's mm. until you have to say that it's opening night i think like which is which allows you to stop but it's for me i l- kind of love but also it's hard work but kind of love molding it over and over you know it's kind of fun i think So you said um, with lyric writing, you like to use diagrams. Let's speak a bit more about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so lyrics wise, I will always start with it like a blank page and a little um, bubble. Is it a bubble diagram? You know, where there's a oh, little yeah. bubble in the middle and it's like, it'll just, it'll just say something like an idea for a title. And then mm. I'll kind of just put, I'll just put everything in my brain on the page, everything. And, and like, no matter how silly it is. And then, um, I'll sort of explore those ideas and it will be like cliches, you know, word kind of word, word phrases or cliches. And then I'll sort of see if they make sense in the song and if I can sort of bounce like around on that as a theme, you know, um, and then if that doesn't work, I'll go down the next route. And once you're onto something, I feel like it just works. But um, until that time, it's a bit of a, oh, it's a bit nasty, isn't it? It can get a bit <laughs> grisly. Like when you're like, yeah, that's, fucking awful um <laughs> which which happens to me quite often but um yeah I think like oh and the other thing I do is I have a dictaphone so I'll take the dictaphone when I'm working on a project I take the dictaphone everywhere with me I do a lot of dog walks and like I'll be walking along or on a train always the best things come and I'm like say it in the dictaphone immediately mm. or sing it and it's funny I'll come back to the dictaphone like six months later and be like, oh, that song is almost exactly what I sang into that dictaphone. Do you know what I mean? Oh, sometimes, wow. <laughs> sometimes it's it goes like that, and I find that really weird. Like that, actually, you think you've gone really far away, and and, and sometimes the initial idea is the one. But yes, yeah, dictaphone. I would always prescribe that to any writer. Um, and a pad and pen for the bubble diagrams. <laughs> now, could you come on back here? I'm quite certain, and I feel my mind's made up. Are you listening? Do you hear? 
I decided I have spoken. Shh, you only speak when spoken to. I made myself inside it clear. I make a list, I put ten names on whether you like it or not. From that day on, you've been shifted from all areas to restricted. It's not entirely fair, but it's really fun. And this week out of ten, you're number one. Welcome to my private club. I'm afraid you've been sent. So let's talk about melody writing, something that is obviously incredibly important,、uh, and something that I feel in your work is really nice and present.、Um, I definitely came away from Cake singing a lot of the the, the melodies and things. So、um, yeah, let's talk about it. Well, the melodies in Cake, for instance,、um, I cannot take like any more than fifty percent credit for these because Jack is he writes the most earwormy earworms I have ever. Come across. He'll sing a tune, and I'm like, "What is like that?" Sounds, you know, it's that satisfying thing where it sounds like something else you've heard before, but it isn't something else you've heard before. Yeah, yeah. He has this knack for pleasing the the, the ear.、Mm. I think I tend to sometimes make things way too complicated, and I've learned a lot from Jack in that. Some like oftentimes simple is much better.、Mm. Like, you know, I think.、Um, My maybe it's ego. My little ego maybe get in the way, and I'm like, oh, I want to do something really original with melody that just does not work. I think, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, make it a new version of something. But yeah, like, I just quite enjoy ear candy these days. I'm like, if it's singable but has a little little niche thing to it, then I think that's always the thing, is it? It's having that little that little sexy thing that makes it just a little bit more. Left a field or interesting than just your sort of bog standard pop melody. Totally, and I think that's why the marriage of pop melody and some fruity harmonies is like、mm. quite. It's I think if you can get the balance right between pleasing and obscure, then I think that's a really interesting like land to be in. I hope that's what I sort of aim for. I think you can you can disguise your the the harmonies with with like. Simple melodies, I think, and I think that's really nice because you sort of get something you don't realise is as as complex as it is, or maybe that's maybe that's giving things too much credit. But yeah, I like to, if something's clever. I don't want to know that it's clever. I want it to be disguised. If you if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you don't want to be open, openly kind of wanky. <laughs> yeah, totally. Openly wanky really is not is not what I'm into actually, and I think. <laughs> Me, Jack, and I both enjoy a really good. I, I think something's really important is a pre-chorus. Like,、mm. if we're talking specifically about song melodies, and again, I think I probably learned a lot of this from Jack. But like, beginning of melody, really simple, three three notes and some repetition. Pre-chorus, ramp it up in some way, and there are many ways to do that. But you know, obviously, rising scale kind of works, but it's definitely not. The be all and end all,、um, and then chorus, new place. You know, potentially a little higher、um, in pitch, but yeah. Other than that,、uh, yeah,、um, I can't really speak that technically because Sam, I'm not going to lie, I am not a technical like player at all. So it's so it's mainly like I'm mainly led by feelings when it comes to melody. It's amazing how many. Uh, other people on this podcast have said exactly the same thing: is that they're not coming from a technical background. It's all just sort of instinct, and 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 that's what counts, really. 
<laughs> like you can have all the technical skill in the world you can go study all this stuff but if you don't have that kind of thing that just allows you to unlock great melodies great harmony just instinctively then what's the point <laughs> yeah I totally I got very bitter when I was like 20 I think I applied for Guildhall to do the jazz course and mm. I didn't get in and I was like devastated and you know it was woe is me and then a few years later one of my best friends and, and sort of a mentor to me Phil Cornwall who is super technical and um an amazing kind of technician and intuitive um gorgeous player um said to me, but yeah, sometimes having all that knowledge might hold you back. I mean, I think he was being really kind but and, and encouraging, but he, you know, he sort <laughs> yeah. of went, you know, conservatoires, yes, like they're amazing, but also there is something to be said for like playing purely from heart, playing purely from, um, you know, emotion. And, and I think, you know, I think there is truth to that. Also, I would like to have been a better player. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't we all? And the powdered bone of a wombat's knee And the juice on the fruit are the juice you treat A hundred other things as well Each with a rather nasty smell Nasty smell, nasty smell, nasty smell She got a nasty smell, nasty smell, nasty smell Nasty smell, she got a nasty smell Say who got a nasty smell? Say someone got a nasty smell She got a nasty smell, she got a nasty smell She got a nasty smell so when you write a song, um, firstly, how do you kind of present that song to your collaborator? Do you make a demo? Do you just sort of do a, a piano vocal thing? Or And when that kind of song gets to the sort of final stages, how much of a say do you like to have in the orchestration and sound of the show? So I present a song always, I think, with um, some kind of pop production because I th I think these days that is sort of my style and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to accept that. Um, so it would always be some kind of bass and um, like a little 80s keyboard in the middle and some like electronic rhythm um, and vocals that have been processed Um I think because of the style, actually, vocal processing and um, pop production is actually becomes part of the narrative in my work. So um, that is quite important that um, that that that's applied um, to the demo because I feel like it is it is also narrative. You know, it's all you know, it's all kind of part of the land that we're in. Um, and um, orchestrations, I guess it would depend. Um, like in Cake, Jack does a lot of the orchestration, like, like 80%. Um, he's an excellent producer, um, even with things like the frequencies of, you know, production is a lot about frequencies and, and, yeah. and where they sit. And he's really excellent. All of that stuff. I sort of got no time for it. Um, <laughs> and I've got like no bass in my ears. So I've blown it out, like from spending oh, really? so much time learning logic. Yeah. I felt like my bass is always like mind bendingly loud because my ears oh, are right. so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but I suppose I'm thinking about um, Matilda, obviously, in my opinion, like one of the best musicals ever written. Um, and Chris Nightingale's orchestrations on that. I'm like, if you had someone like Chris Nightingale on your team, I mean, of course you'd want him to do it. I always feel that way about Phil, my friend Phil Cornwall. It's like, of course I would want him to orchestrate my music because he's amazing and my orchestrations are like... Um, you know, faking it at best. I, I like, I, I, I'm sort of learning from, yeah, I just think if you can collaborate with someone who's better at what you do than, than you are, then that's amazing. Yeah. 
I guess that's the heart of theatre, really, isn't it? It's that collaboration. Yeah, and I think sometimes <laughs> it's really hard to admit. I, yeah. I, I find it hard to admit that I can't do some things. and then, But then when you get the rewards of having worked with people who are, you're like, oh, well, that's excellent because it's 50% easier for me and it's better. So I think it's weird working, like learning to be a good collaborator. I, find, I found, you know, I don't think I was to begin with, but I think you learn to let go of of your ego and let go of the fact that you can't do some stuff, you know, like, mm. yeah. I love doing it. I'd love to do everything, but I, to hand it over to someone else is such a joy because when it comes back to you and you're like, and you hear it, that is magical. When someone's done something to your music, I just think, oh, what an amazing thing to hear. Yeah. Do you ever, and obviously your work is, is very pop based, but do you ever have any kind of, desire to like work with a massive orchestra or something or to hear oh, your yeah. songs like recontextualize like you know MTO uh, do stuff like that and, um, I'd love to do that I would mm. I just think if if um if cake you know gets big and stuff I hope that we will do like a massive you know these massive orchestrations because mm. who's who's the big um electronic producer who who do, who goes out to Ibiza every year with the with the massive orchestra a Pete song Yes, Pete. Yeah. T- you know, I think that's a, what a great idea, and it gives it's got it's work for all these musicians as well, mm. or like the way that Bjork's stuff is so yeah. orchestral, but yet she can do electro like no one else. That's like, mm. yeah, it would be insanely cool to hear your hear music with a massive orchestra. Yeah, yeah, that, I'd love to hear that. That would be very cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a garage track in um in uh, Cake, and I'm like. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for for um, a blending of of genres or a blending of um, at least how it's presented. You know, mm. who was there? there was a guy? Oh God, I used to listen to this on loop, and it's probably not a surprise considering the K tracks. But um, MJ Cole, like, mm. oh God, I used to listen to Garage all the time, and he always used to have like pit strings and stuff. Um, it, like it was lovely in that it was kind of um, quite orchestral. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to do orchestral stuff. I keep a tight ship. I strive to achieve to ensure I stay afloat. Self-improvement is key. A simple life is one inside a bowl. The waters are calm. I'm fed a great deal. Although the food could be more varied, I feel. I'm very fond of life here on the whole. So we've heard uh, about all the stuff you love and informs your kind of writing process but what don't you like well uh i suppose we touched a little earlier but i i suppose i don't like things that are predictable or things that sound like some someone else i think and i think i'm i'm maybe criticizing myself mainly here but sometime is amazing do not get me wrong but hearing like versions of sometime is is not interesting to me and and i i i think i've totally been there myself where i've been trying to create that and it just you know it just feels so insincere and is hard work to recreate actually um mm. so yeah things that things that are unoriginal and also harmony that is not um at least doesn't have a little bit of flavor to it like we were saying earlier that really just i just ugh, to me it just doesn't get my ear you know it doesn't make me feel brilliant whereas whereas oh yeah color color in harmony is everything to me yeah yeah i feel bad about this question because 
<laughs> it's 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 I'm mainly talking about me I think here like what mm. you know I think I have so much respect for anyone who calls himself a writer um a songwriter or or, or writes music because it I'm, I'm sure you agree but for me it's like it has been the hardest thing to sort of sit down and finish something you know initially to go this is it this is this is a finished product so I love all the music but if I were to criticize, I would say, yeah, unoriginality and is that a word? And also um, harmony that is boring. Mm. Yeah. Nice. A very diplomatic answer. <laughs> like that. Um, so uh, and uh, kind of a final question, really. When you, find if, when you finish a demo or you finish a song for the first time, who is the first person you play it to? <sighs> my partner or oh, my nice. twin sister. There's oh, two cool. options. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to get very well curated answers from them. They know that I need to be treated with my little gloves and that they can be like, oh, it's good. Maybe this rather than, yeah, I'm not so sure. You know, like. Are they in the industry or have, do music or? Yeah, they both yeah. are in the industry, but neither of them are musicians, you know, on, on paper, but both are very musical. But um, yeah. And I think um, there's that. So they understand the, the thing itself, but also, you know, I think at the end of the day when I've been working on something and you think it's the best fucking thing you've ever written, you're like, oh, I can't wait to play this to them. This is going to be amazing. They're going to love it. And then I see Leon's face and he's like, hmm, it's, you know, I, do, <laughs> he, I he knows, he knows that that day, if, if especially if it's on the same day I've, I've finished it, that he's going to be like 90% positive about it, even if it's dog shit. But yeah. I have to say for like waiting a few days after writing something and then returning to it or playing it to someone else, that has become useful because I think I'm less in love with it just mm. because I've had some time apart. Yeah. That's a really good point. I do that way too quickly. I, as soon as I finish something, I'm like, Laura, come up and listen. And she's she's also pretty good at telling me or, or, or holding her tongue if she's not quite sure. But she, I'll always know if she's thinking something. I'm like, I can see it in your eyes. You're thinking that's crap or something. Yeah. So uh, maybe I should wait. A, uh, yeah. Wait a couple of days and then play things. Maybe that's a good shout. Yeah, I definitely say wait a couple of days. Like certainly sleep on it. Hmm. And does Laura, okay, so does Laura enter into a conversation about the music or will she sort of like edge away from that and like, like, does she partake? She does. Um, yeah, she'll like, she'll like scroll back on the logic file and like hit like a certain section. It's like, you know, this bit, like, yeah. That's, and, she, and she kind of won't say what she's thinking, but she'll she'll maybe like play it a few times and go like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's great though that she's no, it's, good. Of, it's really good like the specifics are like useful yeah yeah and, and sometimes it will just be like she'll go back to a section like i love this section like you should have more of this section this is the best section or something oh um, that's yeah so see, that's yeah. useful that useful. is useful yeah whereas I, I play it to my mom and she's pretty kind of just always positive which is nice. yeah and are your parents <laughs> musical uh, yeah, they're both musicians. Um, oh, see, oof, yeah, tough, tough crowd, tough crowd. My mum is, well, she's a ballet pianist and composer. She wrote loads of music for the sort of ISTD syllabus and things like that. Wow. Um, and so Gosh, she's... I would have danced to that. I, I oh, mean, yeah. depending <laughs> yeah. on when, because I did ISTD as a kid, like when I was, yeah. when I was a dancer. Um, probably, probably, yeah. <laughs> ah, that's so cool. Apparently I wrote that music when I was in her, in her belly. 
That's, oh, what, that's what that, she always says, which is really that sweet. That's so wonderful. <laughs> ah, that is so amazing. Like, because yeah. I've just had a baby and mm. I was writing cake while she was in me. And oh. so I, I do wonder, like, how she's going to respond to that music when she yeah. can, you know, respond to it. Because you're like, you heard it on loop for months. So, yeah, it's really lovely that, and so cool. that you with your mum, that you are clearly so musical. I, you know, there's a lot to be said for utero kind of what we pass and what they can hear and I think yeah it's really interesting sure I think she also used to do a thing where she tried to teach me sort of perfect pitch so she'd be like that's an A <laughs> things like that which I wish of, my mum had done that it's really well it, mine's a bit slow my, my wait pitch, is that I'm, an A hold on let's find out it is. where's A oh god if that was an A <laughs> that was an A is that a glockenspiel yeah, yeah, got of course. Is that, your, is that your natural writing um, <laughs> kind of thing? Yeah, bubble diagrams and glockenspiels. That's me. Um, I'm gonna get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> actually, Mike. No, it's because we. My, the, this studio is such a mess that none of the keyboards are actually functioning. Or else, I would have given us a little A on a keyboard. I'm still. You've d- deflected that. You've definitely got perfect pitch there. Obsessed. Uh, I just can't. Yeah, I wish I did. It's actually really slow. I can only pitch like certain notes. A's. So I can. Yeah, A's, like E's, and they're all the starts of songs, which ah. is really strange. So like a C is the start of bark, an A is an orchestra tuning up, and an E is like... So it's really weird, but I can kind of got them all in my head. Um, but I can't, like, if you ask me to sing like an A flat, I'd be like, I don't know. No I way! Work, I have to work it out like from a C, which I can pitch. So I don't know if it's perfect pitch, but it's not relative pitch. I don't know. It's somewhere close to perfect pitch, I'd say. I just it's take u- take the word. yeah. It's it's useful, <laughs> super useful. I wish I wish I'd have met you before my Guildhall audition. Maybe I would have got in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tasha, for coming on the podcast. This has been really really great to chat to you, and it's nice to find someone with a, a like minded kind of um, about harmony and and all things slightly sort of left of field. Um, I'm really excited to see where cake goes next um and i don't know if you could say anything more about the life of cake or if it's all sort of i can say the life of cake is still going it's definitely not dead so we will see it's early days but there's some nice things potentially in the pipeline but we'll (laughs) see um it has been super lovely to chat to you too and um i'm definitely going to be googling the indie band after this Okay, because Tasha asked so nicely, and this is my podcast, and I can do whatever the hell I want, here's some of my band, Torva. Yep, that just happened. See you next time for more blatant narcissism.